You're watching the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast with Matt and Rich. Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast. I can't wait to uh, talk about today's episode. We have a couple fun and interesting things. I'm going to cut you off right there. Just, just shut up, Richie. Go go off to the side. I I had an ordeal happen this morning. I just want to I want to be able to vent and I'm going to use my podcast as my platform. So, uh, because I finally have space over here, I decided I wanted to grab my old Woods, um, my Buzz and Woody toys that I got from Disneyland the first time my wife and I went over there. And guess what? I couldn't find them. I was like, maybe they got moved. I checked where they might have gotten moved. I texted her to ask where they were. Guess where they were, Richie. Guess. Just... Um, mm. In the trash. At Goodwill. They got donated to Goodwill. Uh. My rage is up here. And I'm like... Literally, the days leading up, I was packing up a bunch of stuff just because, hey, I'm not going to use it. It's like old action figures or like, you know, collectibles or whatever. Throw them in a box, put them in the closet. I don't want to get rid of them. You know, whatever. I I think the only way to, to comprehend this is divorce. So anyone watching, please DM me some divorce attorney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, how the hell you been, Richie? We, we only talk at the podcast because... I don't think you guys realize we're not friends. He hates me. He uh, cannot true, stand me. True, true. The second <laughs> the podcast is done, I'm out. I dip. No, I, <laughs> I, I'm a busy boy. So as you can see behind me, I am in a new room. And that is because I'm in my room. or It's still my house, but um, our roommates have moved out. They Their two years came up, and they decided not to renew. And, um, you know. Everything is all fair in love. And so with them gone, we had three rooms freed up, and we decided that we were going to take the three new rooms. Uh, so now I have my own personal uh, room for my desk. So on my previous set, uh, to my left, I think it was, um, my wife actually sat right next to me. But now we both have our own little rooms, and then we have our bedroom. So it is peachy although what is not peachy is that it is on the second story and all of our stuff was on the first story uh so (laughs) moving it has been quite awful my knees have been killing me and on top of that that sickness that i had last week i tested positive so god i have been (laughs) struggling i'm still recovering and it has been just awful. <laughs> just being out of breath, lugging heavy stuff up the stairs and repainting. It was just, it was a disaster in these rooms. They they treated it like a rental. So <laughs> I uh, <laughs> we had to do some repainting and that was not fun. If you've ever painted, it is the worst, ex- not the worst experience, but it is not a fun experience. What about My dad yourself? Pay, as I've been repainting our, our stuff, like the, this wall used to be white when I first moved in. Now it's all in this nice blue thing. But myself, uh, Rattlers game last night, I, I couldn't get into it, so I ended up uh, going home at, at the, after the first half was over. Got some Pokemon cards, because my brother-in-law wanted to play Pokemon, so the only way I can get him to go to the Rattlers game. Didn't get home until almost midnight. We were just we were playing Pokemans. And then this jersey I'm wearing right here... Uh, so it was an impulse buy. Uh, did I ever tell you that, that they found some more Reebok Coyotes jerseys and they put them on NHL.com? No, I did not know that. Not sponsored. Could be, but not sponsored. 
Uh, but <laughs> I took your line this time. You learned it. was like 70, 70 something bucks, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't need it. I don't need it. And then there was two left, only a medium, and I'm like, impulse. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to just take the bag and throw it back there. I didn't realize the bags weren't sealed, so it fell on the floor of my kitchen, and I had to disinfect it. So I figured I'd just Ooh. wear that and keep Derek Stepan in the back. And, funny story at the Rattlers game, because I wore that Stepan jersey, I told Lena, hey, uh, I have a higher likelihood of being recognized because of wearing a Coyotes jersey than if I was wearing a Rattlers jersey. Literally, when I got home, someone commented on my most recent video, I saw you at the Rattlers game and didn't want to bother you. <laughs> I finally got recognized. My ego is finally being stroked, boys. It's a good day. And then I woke up today to the woods, uh, the, the buzz and woody news. I cannot believe I keep, <laughs> I keep messing that up. So yeah. now I got to record a podcast with incredible disappointment. <laughs> oh, that is brutal. I I do want to say what else is brutal is this awful ad change here. Uh, if you have not liked, subscribed, followed our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, I highly implore you implore you to please do so. Uh, we are very small, and you know, just just touching the little button would real really go a Speak long way. So, so please do. Uh, with that out of the way, uh, what is the first topic that you wish to talk about today? Uh, I just kind of want to briefly touch on something. Uh, I think the hockey guy did a pretty solid video as to why the NHL won't give up on the Coyotes market. A lot of a lot of salty Canadian fans in that in that comment section. I was doing a little bit mm. of trolling because I thought it would be entertaining. But then I saw today uh, this morning. And I really wish I would have bookmarked it. It was a tweet showing uh, pre, I think, 1993, where the different hockey players in the United States were born in. And then mm. more recently, I think around 2013 or later, it's a lot around the Rust Belt, a lot of those southern states. The game's growing. And I'm the, even the tweet said maybe there's a whole you know point to the NHL's expansion strategy. What do you think we've been saying this whole time? Like, what have we been saying this whole time? Yep. You got to grow the game. Oh, I will go ahead and give a valid argument real quick just to try to be fair. Somewhere like Hamilton or Quebec City, yeah, you have this great you know, hockey crowd that will sell out like a 15, you know, 16,000 seat arena. Sure, great. You're not expanding the market, and it's overall putting a limit and a cap to what you can make. That's why they expand to new markets. Oh, Phoenix is not a hockey market. Why is it over there? Because we want to turn it into one. Same yep. thing with any other new market. Yep. And do you really think that putting an NHL team in Quebec is going to make more NHL players from Quebec? No. It's already massive. Like, hockey is their culture. Like, you're not change. You're not like, oh, now that there's a team in Quebec, we're going to get just a flood of, of NHLers from Quebec. No, like, it's already well-developed. It's well-established. You need to put that market in the non-traditional places and grow the game and that is how you get development like when you put when you just put it into another saturated market it's not going to do anything yeah it'll be more profitable probably in the short term like it's got a good arena it i'm sure they'll sell it out until you know we inevitably head towards a recession or something because that's just the economy i'm not talking political here just your economy always goes up and down it ebbs and flows and we saw how well it hap what happens in Canada when when the money doesn't when it dries up. So I don't know. Just saying. 
I think. Uh, I actually, uh, I, I want to go ahead and just move on from the topic because I, I want to get your opinion on this live, uh, mainly because mm. I'm still trying to whore out my AZ Sports Guy channel and I'm trying to get a good feel for what the Coyotes' top few prospects might be. I have a good idea. We were kind of briefly talking about it. Top of your head and at least one or two brief reasons why. Who are your top five current Coyotes prospects, 24 and under? Although, okay. realistically, 23 and under. All right. So, top prospects. Obviously, number one, I agree with you, has to be Dylan Gunther. We talked a little bit about this before the podcast started. I think Dylan Gunther is absolutely the real deal. Uh, just great skater. Uh, has unreal like ability in the corners to just will his way to get the puck from defenders and has just an absolute lethal shot. You're talking just a wicked shot. And that is something that we haven't had on this team since, dare I say, maybe Keith Kachuk, you know? Um, So it is going to be fun watching him play with whoever his line mates are, whether that is guys on the team currently or if that is guys uh, that are going to be drafted to play with him. My second one, ooh, this is hard. So I do like the play of Matthias Michelli. I do like him a lot. But for guys who I think are going to hit the NHL next year, I have to take Jan Yannick over Matthias Michelli. I liked Michelli, but his weaknesses were exposed pretty significantly um, with that short stint with the Coyotes before uh, before um, the end of the season. He did not look ready to me just yet. So I think Jan Yannick is a little bit closer. I'm going to put him at number two. Uh, don't think he has a high skill uh, a high ceiling as we suspected when we first drafted him. When we first drafted him, it was like, holy shit. Like, when he was in player development camp, he was bullying all the other players. But um, I think he'll probably be a top nine guy, third line. And I, I think he'll be really good there. I think he'll be really good. He'll be a guy that you go, man, that is a great third line player. Um, my number three will probably be... Hmm... I'll, I'll go with Michelli. I think that he does have a high skill ceiling, but he is more boomer bust to me. Like he is like in that cusp of just you you, you got to figure it out in the next at, at the next level. Um, number four, I still I want to be high on Soderstrom. I'm really worried that his game has not translated very well to the NHL or the uh, North American ice surface just yet. Uh, that team in uh, Tucson was not the greatest. Now with this new draft, hopefully we'll get a nice influx of players that will help fuse this team with some life and the minor league, the AHL, will be much better. Um, I'm going to put him at number three over who I'm going to have at number four, which is Connor Timmons. I like Connor Timmons a lot, but him being injured, I think it was only nine games into the season and a guy who has consistently been injured his entire career. 
really scares me. He looks good when he is not injured. I really like him, and I think that if he can stay healthy, he will be a very formidable, um, most likely top four. I, I would definitely say second-line guy. I don't think he's a first-line guy. I think he's a second-line guy. And um, it just it sucks. I, I hope that the string of injuries goes away and that uh, he can be much better. Uh, as for number five, I got to go with the king himself, Louis Erickson. Uh, no, wait. <laughs> um, at number five, oof, that's tough. Because we don't really have loaded like very well. I I could put Barrett Hayden there, but with him having two seasons, at least two partial seasons under his belt, I don't feel like he is worthy of being called a prospect anymore. Um, I could put him there. I don't think he's a prospect anymore. I honestly am drawing a blank. I'm going to go and take a little peek right now if you want to fill in the dead air. Because. I will go ahead and give my top five, but I will okay. give some suspense and start with number five. Oh, oh wait, 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 sorry. All right, <laughs> number five. I'm going to go with two players. Um, mm-hmm. t- the two players that we picked up at the deadline time. I'm going to go with Jack, oh, Mc- Jack McBain and Jack uh, Nate Mc- Smith. And Nate Smith. One of those two players, I think, are going to compete for the third line center position. And they're going to play with Yan Yannick. And I think that's going to be a pretty good third line. All right. My top five prospects so far, uh, before I end up making my own separate video on it, I'm going to have to say, oh, number one, Gunner. It is, I, I, I want to know your opinion because I wanted to ask, but uh, I didn't have a chance really. If you thought my original assessment of like, well, he's essentially going to be replacing Garland's role, but he's probably going to be better. If, if that sounds about right, because the way you yeah. we were talking about his game, it sounds like a lot of what Garland did, but Garland was just undersized. And yeah. if, are, are we talking about not quite power forward, but he can like throw throw the body around a little bit and, and win battles in, in areas of the offensive yeah. ice? Is that kind yeah. of so, the, the feel you're giving me? So I'm not saying he is, but I'm going to say he's like how Nathan McKinnon plays, where he mm-hmm. can be physical with the puck and not be bumped off he's he's similar in that nature he's not nearly as let me be very clear he is not nearly (laughs) as good and he is not nearly as physical as nathan mckinnon i'm just saying that play style of being big physical but not being a power forward i don't consider nathan mckinnon a power forward so gunner if i look at that and especially since i'm getting what seems to be a pretty correct reading on how he's on how he's playing and how his style of play is, he's going to be a 30-goal scorer. I would not be surprised if his rookie year is next year and he's a 20-goal scorer. That doesn't mean he will be. I'm just saying I would not be surprised if. Mm-hmm. Very specific with my words here. Uh, I think he's the real deal. He's the kind of shooter that I don't think we've ever really had since I've been a fan of the team. I mean, I. it seems like all the hype I remember being around guys like Peter Mueller for his finishing ability, guys like Mikhail Bodker, he just needs the right center, and he, he's got that shot on him. I feel like the kind of hype I remember hearing about those guys is literally everything Gunther is showing so far, and I'm really excited. Would not be surprised if he stole a roster spot next year, and it would be in the top six, just with yeah. how good he's played. But I also would not be surprised if they say, hey, play, what was it, six games at the max, and then you send him back down to the juniors, hey, this is what you need to Nine? work on, this is what you should focus on. I think it's nine. 
Nine so games. let's just say he plays, you know, six, seven, eight games, and, and mm-hmm. then I wouldn't be surprised if that either. Uh, yep. So number one has to be him, easy. Number two, I, I have to go Michelli. I've seen so many impressive things of him at the AHL level. He dominated to the point where I wanted him there all year. I wanted essentially a shutdown, like, you are going to be in the AHL this entire season. And with how well he played, he simply, like, gave the Coyotes no choice but to let him get some time at the NHL because yeah. that's how much he was dominating. I think, now, he, I think he, also, he had player of the month twice? I believe so. He, yeah. It was ridiculous. He was well over a point a game. I think he had almost an assist per game on, on most of, of the pace. And then at the NHL level, he dominated, what, the first three games? And then a lot of his mm-hmm. weaknesses started to show – and that's why I'm so high on him, because even though it's a little underrated, sure, hey, we don't know what to expect of him, if you can come up, even for a brief period, and make NHLers look kind of silly, you have what it takes to be an NHLer. The problem is, when he tapered off, he never quite recovered. He yep. still was passing efficiently, uh, he was still doing a little bit of the two-way stuff, but he just was not what he was when he the first couple of games, once he was figured out, so I would prefer him to go back to Tucson work on that, get a stint at the NHL, maybe start in the NHL, then go down, back up a couple of times, make this be his like transition year. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm ridiculously high on him. And if they handle this properly, uh, having Gunther and Michelli on the same line is going to be something that no one is going to see coming. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. It's going to be Arizona's version of like McDavid and Dreisaitl in terms of a scoring pair. Not on their same level. That's why I said Arizona's version, just in case anyone hears that wrong. But just the ridiculous amount of numbers they could put up is going to be insane. Once again, if this is successful. He's my number two. Number three, I'm going to go on a limb and say Prozvatov. I know that his numbers at the AHL level have been getting worse year over year. And he's played three games both last year and the year before at the NHL level. His save percentage went up. Uh, he starts off years pretty well, usually keeping his save percentage pretty high. We're usually recording a few shutouts in the first handful of games he plays. The problem is, at the AHL level, the defense really isn't there on, on that Roadrunners team. I don't know how much of that is reflecting on the defense or Prozatov or a combination of the two. Or the and coaching. when he played those couple of games, yep, exactly. Uh, for the Coyotes, he his first game was against Tampa Bay. He got blown up, and then what? It was the Colorado game. He posted like a nine-two-three save percentage. Yeah. He had a really good game against Colorado, yeah. and then I think he got blown up another game. But once you get blown up that first game, your save percentage is already done. I, it, he also had a bad defense in front of him. I, I see the potential this kid has, and he keeps flashing it. And I'm starting to think that a lot of the the numbers we're seeing on the downtrend, while he still does need to adjust, he does need to get his job done. No excuses. I think a lot of that can reasonably be attributed to the style of play or the quality of play around him. I think with the defense should be getting better this year. If he becomes the full-time backup, his numbers should be very, very good for a backup-level goaltender, and he might even be able to to shoot for a fringe starting spot in the next couple of seasons. That's how that's my feelings on the guy. I think he's really good. So that's got to be number three. Uh, I, I'm in, in hindsight, I kind of got to agree with you about Hayden because he's kind of essentially our our, our everyday NHLer at this point, so I, I really can't consider him. So yeah. I'll go Jan Unique. He, he, he's made a lot of improvements in his game. I remember at one point uh, we were having a conversation, I think a year ago, where you weren't sure about where his trajectory was because he was you know, injured quite a bit. And it was like, I'm just not sure. And then we have a lot of center hype here, so I don't, I don't uh, blame you at all. 
for that concern, and I think he stepped up. I think he's definitely he'll be a bottom sixer. I don't I don't agree with the top nine mainly because I think that he fits best in the middle to bottom six. But you also specifically did say third line center. That wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. I wouldn't even mind like throwing Smith over there on his wing and then putting McBain a little higher up because I, I think McBain probably a little higher of a scoring ceiling. But that's just my like you know top of. Okay. So he has to be there. You know top top four and then five. I guess I'll stick with the gun there and say uh, McBain because I really liked a lot of his game. I liked uh, – he did have a, a pretty good, I think, NHL-level shot. He was facilitating the puck rather well. And while Nathan Smith, at least from what I remember, was a little more of like the power forward, uh, Jack McBain was a little more of like the – I don't want to say finesse. I feel like finesse is the incorrect word, but he was a little more of of getting involved in the play that did not overtly require just throwing the body around, I, I guess. He had a I, – I, Smith had a really good drive. I liked his. So if you remember watching him, he had a really great drive to the net, like that passionate drive to the net. He was just not big enough to sustain that drive because this league is men, right? He is older. He did go through college and he's a little bit more fit than, you know, an 18 year old. But you could tell that he he had the right idea is just. When you have a 32-year-old defenseman who is big and burly, it's going to be very hard to push your way through them. But that's also a really good experience. I, also, I really do appreciate that point, so we can kind of talk about it. Because while Nathan Smith is not exactly a boy among men, he is definitely not the grown man among the grown men. And yeah. it's, you can... You can tell the strength difference is one of the biggest things I was talking about with Kyle Kepabianco, how he needs to get consistent time, you know, I think a year ago, where it's these guys that are younger that are playing against college-level kids, you know, they're men, but they're, they're kids, playing against AHL-level kids, playing against juniors, playing whatever, you have to get them used to the strength and the speed of the game at the NHL level. And I think an experience like that's going to make him bulk up over the offseason. He's probably going to be more dominant next year. Not going to say how much so, but he's going to be. And my honorable mention, the only reason I did not put him I, in the top five. I think five, he's going to be the same one. <laughs> Is he a defenseman? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Honorable mention, the only reason he is not in the top five, well, partially, I kind of forgot. I, I, I had it planned before I started talking, then I forgot. That's how my brain works. Uh, but also because he's only played at the college level in terms of, like, semi-pro, I guess you want to call it. Well, that's Joshua Doan. How mm. well he played at ASU his first year. Uh, I I it's think he's definitely point. a lot like his dad. Uh, I think he's probably more of a scoring threat than his dad, just my opinion. Um, but it, I can't wait to see him get thrown in Tucson. I, I just... I. I know he's committed to ASU. He's his dad's a smart guy. He's a smart kid. He's probably going to want to graduate before he comes up to the NHL level, which would make sense. But I, I just, I want this kid in the AHL to get used to a little higher level of competition. I want to see how he does because I, there are so many good things. But the only thing I want to pull back on slightly is with college prospects, we simply do not know how their game will translate. They could dominate college and. A lot of the guys that are in college might not have been good enough to play in this league or that league. So that's why they go to college and want to focus on education and still play. So it's like, no matter how good you look, how good are you actually? Yeah. So that's why I'm really excited to see like him move up in the system. I'm really going to be uh, interested to see how this training camp is going to look as opposed to last one, which I thought he looked fine. But unfortunately, all I can say is fine. 
so I, I have to have an honorable mention for Doner. Not just because, disclosure, his dad's my favorite player uh, of all time. That was a huge influence in me even getting into hockey and the Coyotes staying here. So there's my, uh, you know, integrity or whatever the hell. Uh, but I, I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal young player. And I think he's going to be very good. With, uh, I'm going to go with my honorable mention. I'm going to go with the second round pick that was picked just after him. And I'm going to go with Giannis, is it Jerome Moser? JJ Moser. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's a prospect anymore because he has played his rookie season. And I think this kid is going to be an everyday NHLer. Mark my words. I think he will be an everyday NHLer. I think that he will play with Connor Timmins. And I think that they'll be a pretty good pair. I think that I am very excited to see what they can do together because they are both very slinky, puck-moving defensemen. Not big and physical. That is one concern about that line. But they can get the job done. And I don't think he's a prospect anymore, but I will put him as an honorable mention as he was only drafted one year ago. So I definitely could argue that he is, but I think he will be an everyday NHLer. And I don't think he's going to blow the league up, but I think he will be a rock steady everyday defenseman next year. Uh, Kyle Pereira. He's a, he's a, a scout and also... A personal friend of mine, I usually have him on, on my podcast on my AZ Sports Guy channel. I only do it like once every three months. Don't get excited. Um, but he, he was talking about J.J. Moser, and I was talking about the Coyotes draft. And I, I heavily lean on him for a lot of my prospect knowledge and information. And he had the truest words. Not only is, is Moser, like, I was going to like Moser. He was the most NHL-ready of the guys the Coyotes drafted, clearly. But also ridiculously, ridiculously defensively responsible. I saw that kid a couple turnovers, and it was like, oh, that's that's abnormal. Because when I went to the AHL games, I saw a game or two of his down there. I saw just the way he positions himself, just the way he follows the puck. I, I, I'm not smart enough to, to give you the proper lingo, but he follows it correctly. He, he knows how to put his body in a position where he needs to be. Where his if, his if gap control. going to break out this way. Yep, gap yeah. control. Thank his you very much. His gap control I, is just perfect. And the craziest part is he's very nimble so if he does get beat he is fast enough to to get in a foot race with a player and keep them from getting a scoring chance that is not an a tier scoring chance but maybe like a b or c tier uh the only thing i didn't personally notice i don't know if i just don't pay attention to it i didn't really notice him blocking that many shots please feel free to correct me if you notice more so i just notice more of like a finesse kind of defenseman, but he was ridiculously yeah, smart defensively. It translated to the NHL perfectly. He had more of an offensive game than I ever figured. I figured his upside was a puck moving defenseman. He put in some goals in some pretty key situations. Yeah, uh, He borderline could develop into a power play quarterback, not because of the scoring ability, but because his shot's pretty decent and you can get some garbage goals that way. He can move it pretty well. And on top of that, he's a guy that can get back quickly in case a turnover happens to prevent a shorthanded chance. Uh, I, I just, I have this, this, this kid's a good defenseman, yep. and that was one of the best value picks because looking at just the value they're getting right now, if you forget his age, he realistically should have been a late first rounder. Just with what the value they've immediately got out of him, mm-hmm. minus that age, and it's like, well, the reason he didn't <laughs> was because he was, I believe, an overager. If my memory yeah, I think it was me. his so. last year of draft eligibility. 
was it? Yes, I think so. But yeah, he was he was an overager, and I mean, rightfully so. Remember, this was the first draft that we had where a lot of the players actually got to play. You know, with the shutdowns, it's kind of hard to go and watch players, and a lot of them slip through all the way through the draft, and it ends up being, you know, takes a, a year or two before you see their potential, and you go, oh, crap, I'm going to use a second-round pick to pick this guy up. And, you know, it's it's crazy because you go, oh, overagers, we don't want them, right? We want the young players because we can mold them into something. Not always the case. Josh Doan and Giannis Moser, both over overagers taken in the second round, working out pretty well so far. And on top of that, there is a very valid argument about the we can mold them into whatever. That's one of my, that's one of my favorite things about Mannix Landry. Uh, good leadership ability, but uh, one thing Kyle mentioned is that he's kind of a, a, a center you can do almost anything you want with. You can mold them into what you want. But what we're seeing with a guy like Moser is there is a huge benefit depending on the pick you take them, a huge benefit to getting a near-finished product, something that the game is already what it's going to be. Nope. Does that fit into my system? And I think Yanis Moser not only blew my expectations out of the water in Tucson, but I'm still jaw on the floor with just how he stole that job. Like, he, that that second-line defensive spot, that is his. That was like, Bianco. Kyle Capabianco yeah. was the one that was kicked out of the out of the lineup to get Kolya Chonuk some some minutes, some games. Capabianco was the one who got scratched. Uh, this player or that player, Cam Deneem was an outside you know man looking in. Yanis Moser was not getting scratched after he put, you know, took the reins. And it's speaking of defensemen, <laughs> <laughs> because I am phenomenal with my segues. I'm a artiste, if you will. Look at this nice jersey that my co-host is wearing. I have two of them. I got them when they were cheap. Uh, but he is wearing the one, the only, Oliver ekman Larson. And uh, to anyone that listens to the podcast or has been uh, following me on AZ Sports Guy since I started it, you might think I despise OEL like to the core. Oh, it, and that's it not the like case. It. <laughs> it's, that's simply not the case. Uh, but I, I remember when... The fan fest before he got named captain, I was like, oh, you know, so you're going to get named captain, right? And he's like, oh, you know, we'll see. I'm like, you liar. <laughs> he knew he was going to be named captain. Come on now. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited for him. My problem was defensively. He's still a defenseman. That's my biggest problem with Keith Yandel as well. Defensively, he kind of sucked at that point. He, and I, we didn't know yet he was not a actual like leader he could be like a leader by example but he's not the correct voice as the as the captain he works best as an alternate mm-hmm. uh, we didn't know that at the time like no one had seen that evidence yet at the time but we're not here to crap on him because i still liked him i know richie he was one of your favorite players for a long time yeah so let's just let's dedicate 10 minutes or so let's talk about some of the positive stuff with oel and just let's give him a little bit of praise so uh, for me why he became my favorite player on the team wasn't because of the captaincy. I actually started liking him way before that, back in 2012, when it was his rookie season, maybe first year. Yeah, I believe second, it was rookie year. When they were in the playoffs, and watching him suck up all the ice time as a rookie in the playoffs and do reasonably well with that ice time. Uh, I saw somebody who I really believed could be that first-line defenseman, that rock-steady guy 
your Iserman type, your Headman type, our type, as we're learning in this this playoffs, you know, that first line guy who you can just absolutely rely on. Did they say Iserman? I was thinking yeah, he Lind said Iserman. I, you're thinking Lindstrom. I, was, I, I just Lindstrom, kind of I went yeah. with it. <laughs> okay, I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I meant Lindstrom. Lindstrom type. Um, yeah, I really did believe it growing up as a kid. I, I, I saw it. I saw him as a kid. We both kind of grew at the same time. And I truly believe that he had that potential. I think that he absolutely had that potential. When we saw it... Um, I think he had that 50-point season, like 20 goals, I think it was. I, I don't have numbers. You know, I should probably pull numbers up. Uh, but pull it that was numbers, the, and I'll give some context. He was the only 20-goal scorer on our team that season. He had 20 goals. Because I remember yeah. my brother-in-law was like, that's pathetic how our offense is so bad. We only had a defender scoring 20 goals. I remember that distinctively. I believe that was the first year that we had the Domi Duclair line. And things were looking really well. He played very well that season. I really liked how he was playing. Um, and I was like, okay, here we go. He's revving up. He's becoming that player that I always believed he could be. And the next season, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember this in my head. But that next <laughs> season, uh, he suffered... A leg injury that was pretty serious I think I it was like a high ankle sprain or something having to do with ankle and like he just hadn't looked the same since actually if we want to go even further I think that final seat that final part of the season where he scored 20 goals um believe that was the season gosh I my memory is awful but there was a season where his uh, mother had passed away and the team absolutely was like go go be with her in Sweden and um, do what you need to do right and after that I felt like his on ice production was never the same um, I think it was a combination of things I don't think it was just that that's you know unfortunate event um, yeah he came back and just looked like he was just making poor decisions like it had seriously affected him and he just was not making the right he, he wasn't in the right mental headspace to be making first line time and then he sustained a ankle injury and i believe that he absolutely played through that ankle injury and it really really screwed with his mobility in his legs and a guy who went from being able to race with anybody in the NHL down the ice no longer could. And it, it's just one of those stories of this is why you don't play through injuries. You know, this is why you need to rehab an injury. And it is sadly the that story just played over and over and over is just he he played through that injury and his mobility was hampered permanently because of it and uh yeah it it's it's tragic to see that because i really do believe he could have been a consistent 60 point defenseman 
with fairly solid defensive capabilities if it wasn't for playing through that injury. I mean, especially like in 2012. So I, I think he was drafted, what was it, 2010 or 2011? He got drafted. He wasn't in the system very long before he started playing in that rookie year. Uh, he just he played phenomenally. I remember, like, who is this guy? Oliver Ekman Lars. I was going to be here forever. Uh, I, I think even at the time, uh, the, the, I, I could be uh, a little bit foggy memory. I, I was younger. I was in uh, middle school to high school around this time. And I started high school over a decade ago. So let's not talk about how I'm rapidly aging. Uh, and and this, this, is gonna be, this kid's going to be the future. He's going to be the future. He's playing ridiculously well. Uh, he's essentially going to be able to replace Keith Yandel, kind of the same way. Like I, I thought, Kevin Bianco is going to just replace OEL. Like you see, they seem to always get a good offensive-minded, you know, uh, left-shot defenseman in their system at all times with every single core. Uh, yeah. It seems like, and you know, moving on as the team, it always broke my heart. But just to try to avoid that this negative part of it as the team keeps getting you know tore down. And, and faces that I recognize leave. It's at one point my brother in law and I went to a game. I think it was around 2016. We're like, we don't even recognize this team. There's Doan. There's OEL. Who the hell else do we really know on the team? And just the fact that his almost like Doan, his presence was always there. It was he. He loved the market. He did a lot for the community. He was someone that on the ice could lead. He was someone that was always, in my opinion, giving 110. And no matter what, I always liked him for that. And the the point when I started the term was uh, the injury, obviously, I, not because of the injury, but, like, the injury kind of sparked all of this. It's – he never looked the same after it. His defensive numbers went terrible. I, I, I Hopefully you have his numbers pulled up. I think he, he was a negative 20 or worse in, like, four consecutive seasons. He, he, yep, something It was like that. bad. And, and I hate the, like, the argument, oh, it's a team stat. Who's on the team? who's mm-hmm. one of the leading components of that team, and we never had truly bad goaltending. So you can't, I, I don't see that as a valid excuse. And then I see that he's not playing as well as, and then he accepts this big contract that from the start, I'm like, that that's going to age terribly. And then he gets the captaincy. I was excited for him. And you just see the, the lack of the leadership ability, and you see how things just never ended up getting better. And that ended up just like, warping my per- like my perception of, of this player when in reality for all these years consistent presence he was always giving the team everything he had he loved this market this team he supported it and it was so like he was someone for the fans to rally around yeah and i have a great deal of respect for all of that and it actually like as we're talking about this i feel like really bad for not liking him anymore because i'm like he, just because, like, it might have been because of how long things were sour and, and getting sour, but it's just, that should not fully negate just how good he was and how much he meant to the market. And it's, if things would have been differently, you know, I, I think, you know, if at least the play would have been better so we can lead a little more by example, because I think that really was where the majority of his leadership ability was. And then it seems like he's very good with the guys in the locker room, so maybe like a, a mentorship type uh, leadership ability. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think that. First off, he would have been traded. I think he would have just been part of the rebuild and they just build around him a second time. And I don't think that even myself would have much negative to say about him. And I think it just kind of sucks that it all added up to what it is. Because in reality, he he meant a lot to the market and he was a very very good player. Yeah, yeah. If if it wasn't for the leg injuries, 
I think he, even if he stayed at 40 points, what he averaged, right? He was like 45 points or whatever. If he stayed at that production, but he could still skate and be defensively responsible, I think we would absolutely have kept him and kept him a, as a forever coyote. But I, I don't know. Obviously, we only speculate on how he was in the locker room, but I don't disagree that I feel like the captaincy may have not been the best thing for him. The, the hard part was that he was raised and groomed in a way that he was taken under Shane Doan's wing and shown how to lead. And I think a lot of people were just hoping that that would translate to another player, right? That you had an unreal captain in Shane Doan, he teaches you how to lead, and then you get you hand the reins over to Ekman Larson to lead. Um, I don't know how that was internally, obviously in the locker room. None of us can know because we weren't there. Uh, but it did feel like that, where it didn't seem like he was taking control of the of the room and leading. Um, he could lead by example, but sometimes people need a kick in the ass, you know? You're not playing well enough. You need somebody to come and tell you you're not playing well enough. We need more out of you. And I don't know if that was ever done. Um, with that being said, though, I have to be... I have to point out that uh, this is why, even though it sucks losing all of our favorite players, uh, this is why... When you're going through a rebuild or you are a losing team, this is why you trade everybody out. Because people become attuned with losing and they become okay with losing. You want people to have that hatred of losing and wanting to win every game. And so even though it sucks watching Armstrong throw everything away, you know, Garland gone, Devo gone, you know, most likely Chikrin, I... I'm curious to see how that'll go. I'm happy with him staying or going, but probably gone. You know, everybody's leaving, and the reason for that is because you, you got to get new blood in, and it is, it's absolutely the right idea because of that reason with, with uh, how OEL is. You know, like, I think that he became attuned with this. Yeah, we lost, you know. Speaking of new blood, because my, my game is still 10 out of 10 for its transitions, this is the last podcast before the draft. This mm. is the last time for us to prep and really give our thoughts, opinions, oh, goodness. Uh, predictions, and, and let's see how terribly those are going to age. I really want to focus on number three overall. Do you think the Coyotes take Slavkovsky or Cooley? Why or why not? And I just want to lead off by saying it does not only have to factor in New Jersey because of the amount of whispers that they're interested in what assets that number two overall can get. And with Logan Cooley putting up a an actual conversation for number one overall, he's not going number one overall, but mm -hmm. playing well enough to put up a conversation, even if it's only brief, you can't tell me someone is trading up number two for Slavkovsky. So what do you think is going to happen? I think if somebody, if New Jersey trades away the pick, it's going to be Cooley. I think people are going, 
to trade up for Cooley. Uh, if that happens, I will be very sad. If let's put this in a vacuum, if you're at number three and both Slavkovsky and Cooley are there, I want Logan Cooley. I want to go for the boomer bust. I think Slavkovsky has a more consistent. He will be an everyday NHLer. Um, Cooley is somebody who we look at and go, he could be amazing or he could just be meh. Um, so it, it's one of those things. I truly believe that the Coyotes need Logan Cooley. They desperately need a Logan Cooley type. Um, and if he is not there at number three, you trade down to like five or six if you can, and you go for Cutter Gauthier. There's my there's my rant. But um, uh, I'm high on Cutter Gauthier. Uh, in a vacuum, that's what I think. Assets that might go to New Jersey. These are rumblings. These are not true in any facet. These are just rumblings. Uh, we've heard uh, JT Miller's name get tossed out there. We've also heard... Uh, Pasternak is very unhappy with his situation in Boston right now because of, I think it's the general manager. I think he said something along the lines of like, if the general manager is here, I'm not resigning or something like that. Uh, you could see those two teams going at the second overall pick. What are those two teams going to be wanting? Right? Let's look at Boston. Let's look at Vancouver. Do they they have no center depth in Boston. Literally none. If if Bergeron comes back for one more year, which I think he said he will, yes. that puts a Band-Aid on it, and that was one of the biggest concerns. Like, I hate to cut you off. I, I needed to put this context in here just to put it home. They have no depth, realistically, and, and they were like almost desperate to keep Bergeron for that one more year, so that way they can yep. uh, they Lost have that, that center depth. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just, where is it down the middle? So you're not getting Slavkovsky. He could play some center, but you want that natural center that's been playing that position for years and is going to be, if Slavkovsky is a good center, Logan Cooley would be a great center in face-offs and positioning and uh, defensive awareness and knowing when to kind of like call guys back, you know, you know, being essentially that quarterback of the line. If you're going for center, you're, you know, if you're going to trade up, you're going for center. Both those teams need it. And uh, also I hate Vancouver for, being able to have so many young, good players and still being able to potentially get Logan Cooley. Yeah! I wanted Elias Pedersen. Yeah. <laughs> I pray every single day, I get down on my knees and pray, that <laughs> I can witness Logan Cooley put on the black jersey. <laughs> that that black kachina. We'll see how it goes. We won't know until the draft comes, man. It is getting real antsy. It is getting real antsy. I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping for the best. I truly believe that Logan Cooley should absolutely be the guy that the Coyotes, if they walk away from, with only that player from the draft, which let's remind you, they have seven picks in the first 45 Hockey's up or something. Um, if they walk away with just Logan Cooley out of this draft, I will be tap dancing. I so what he's saying is seven draft picks dancing. for the second overall. 
That's what he's saying. He's saying trade the entire farm. Just <laughs> I'm just saying, if if that is an option, could that be right? We're we're hearing Pasternak. We're hearing um, JT Miller. I, I, we've said it previous previous weeks. Do you look at a Jacob Chikrin? Is that something? I don't know with New Jersey. I don't know if they're interested in DMAT. That's the hard part. Uh, because if you look at what New Jersey has, they signed Dougie Hamilton in the offseason, uh, last offseason. They have a couple of young, good D-men. Um, New Jersey has consistently always been pretty good at drafting and developing D-men. So, I don't know. I don't know. So, since you're so high on Logan Cooley, let me ask you this. Ooh. A, a need for need trade. You can throw in like a lower, a lower first round pick or something. I'm, I'm not giving up third overall for this trade, but mm-hmm. think about it like just as essentially a one for one. Yeah, because the Coyotes need Cooley. They can also just take Nemec at number three. I, I would love that ideal scenario. Would you trade Schmaltz? Because he also he can play center, but he also can play very well at the wing, and I think he plays mm. better at the wing. He's gotten mm. better at center, but I think he is better at the wing. Would mm. you make that trade? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I liked Nick Schmaltz a lot. Uh, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy watching Schmaltz and Keller play together. They have unreal chemistry. But if you can get the second overall pick for Nick Schmaltz, you absolutely do it. Absolutely. You took... Dylan Strom, who a lot of people were not high on, let's be very clear, and you turned it into Nick Schmaltz. I personally will make the argument that that was an upgrade. That was a win for the Coyotes. Pierlini, is he even in the NHL anymore? No, he flamed out because he couldn't even, I think last he was on Edmonton, and then he got waved like Kyle Turris after a handful of games. Yep, so it wasn't that piece of the trade. So at this point, it's a one-for-one. Dylan Strom for Nick Schmaltz. Who do you want? I want Nick Schmaltz. I don't care what you say, Chicago fans. Just the truth. With that being said, if you trade Nick Schmaltz for a second overall pick, you were once again taking an asset and trading for a better asset. You absolutely do it. 10 out of 10 times. And then also just because it wouldn't be a one-for-one, one, let's say they get the uh, the Colorado pick or maybe the Carolina pick. You don't give third mm. overall because uh, Schmaltz has enough value on his own, but you need to have a sweetener. They're not going to do it for nothing, but just we're not talking is... about an actual one-for-one. One. There would be another asset attached, but we're just talking about this is what it is. Like They okay. are interested in Nick Schmaltz. You can play him on the wing, play him at center. We're interested in making sure we can secure Logan Cooley. Now, if that happens, let's say it's the Colorado pick and, and Schmaltz, we get Logan Cooley at number two. Are you well, going with me and Iggy Nemec at number three? Or do you also double down on Slavkovsky and give an absolute just shot in the arm offensively to this core at the potential detriment to getting some more D-men into the system? Okay, so we'll take a look here, right? You trade away Nick Schmaltz. You trade away the 32nd overall pick. You still have 
Jacob Chicker. Who, whether he plays, great. If he walk, if we we move on from him, okay. That is a interesting predicament to be in. Are you able to take Jacob Chikrin and trade maybe for Brent Clark in LA and whatever pieces and that gets you your D-man that you wanted? If so, I could see it being a Logan Cooley, your Slavkovsky 2-3. Realistically, I don't think they need another big winger. They have Lawson Krauss, who I think is very similar to your Slavkovsky. Uh, Lawson Krauss has played very well last season. He unfortunately sustained a hand injury late in the season and did not uh, continue to play. Um, mm, I think I would go the D-man. And I'm I'm a hot take here. <laughs> I think I think (laughs) I'm liking your check the more and more as I come up to the draft and I I go back and replay and watch everything man your check looks real real good I think I I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say mark my words I'm not gonna put it down (laughs) I'm not betting on it I think your check might go over Nemec I think your check might go over him all right i'll get into predictions because you know what if you want to be right you want to have that little twitter cloud or whatever you gotta be willing to be wrong so let's do a prediction i'm gonna Mm -hmm. do a prediction i'm going to say that either boston comes in and overpays for second overall Mm -hmm. or new jersey's price because of a couple of offers gets too high and the deal does not finalize so they just take uri slavkovsky and the Coyotes come in and take Cooley, Jacob Chikrin will get traded after the third overall pick is announced, and either he's going to L.A., and we're going to get some pieces, or he's going to go to one of the other teams that has a top 10 pick, and the Coyotes are going to make a run at either Yurchek or Gauthier, depending on who is available. That is you know, my official AZ Sports Guy prediction. You know who I'm looking at? Who has, I believe, two picks in this first round. Two pretty good picks. Who we got? I'm looking, looking at Columbus. I think Columbus. That could, be, that could be a pretty good addition to their core because he's still locked down. Two more years, right, Jacob Chikrin? I think it's three. A very team-friendly deal. I'm pretty sure it's you? three. Yeah. You got picks. Um, let, me, let me go look real quick. They have... A, so Columbus has the six overall pick from Chicago. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they also have uh, the twelfth overall pick. Gauthier could still be there at twelve. I don't think Yurichek is, but I think Gauthier could realistically still be there at twelve, depending on how Yarmo Kekalainen has done an unreal drop job with drafting players. He got Cole Sillinger last year. Uh, he also has just drafted like very, very well. If the Coyotes come in and say, we'll take 6 and 12 and you can have Chikrin, do you make that done? Do you, do you call that deal? I don't think he accepts it, but I think if he said, we'll take 6 or 12, 
Okay. That would get done. I just it all depends on because uh, unfortunately the injury issues. Um, him already essentially saying with PR speak he doesn't want to be here anymore. The value could be up because of a uh, a bunch of teams' interest and some bidding. It could be down because of those factors. So I think realistically, if you want the highest likelihood, you go to them and you say, "Can we do Chikrin for twelve? How does that sound?" And you forget number six exists. And then maybe, depending on how negotiations go, throw a couple other assets in there, and then you can look at number six. But I think the most realistic there would be number 12. Okay. That was my that was my, my TED Talk, I think. That was your TED Talk? That was my <laughs> TED Talk. I think you go after number six, if you can. Um. I don't think you go after number 12. I think you go after number six and you go after Cutter Gautier. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. I want to will this into production. I want Cutter Gautier. Um, but yeah, there's also Kent Johnson. He drafted. I forgot about that. He had Cole Sillinger and Kent Johnson last year. And we year. wanted oh Kent Johnson. Oh my God. But then again, we ended up winning with. Dylan Gunther because for some reason if you have a winger next to your position instead of a center uh, you're actually worth like a 27th overall pick and not uh, a 5th overall pick. Yep. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think Columbus could be a player in the Jacob Chicken sweepstakes. They have so many assets, so many young assets that they can part ways with. Do you do you take twelve? You take Cole Sillinger, Sillinger. Does that move the needle and get the trade done? I'm I'm gonna say no only because of this reason. Cole Sillinger is a very good young prospect. He also had some NHL time last year, right? He, I, mm-hmm. I remember he was getting some NHL time. He seemed to be playing pretty well. The need for, I know Columbus wants to get into the playoffs, which would, should make this a higher likelihood. Hey, we have these assets, let's get this NHL player that's right now ready. He can be our power play quarterback, first line, uh, you know, first pairing defenseman. That would make a lot of sense. I just think the value proposition for Chikrin has been in such flux over this last season. They should have traded him last offseason because he objectively had more value. I just don't oh, yeah. know if that gets it done because of the flux in value. It, it it would take a bidding war. Now, if the bidding war happens behind the scenes, that is a very realistic trade. Number 12 and Cole Sillinger. Hell, even number 12 and Kent Johnson. However, they want to, to divvy it up. If they think Sillinger is NHL ready now, so they'll move on for the other prospect that's going to take a couple years. Okay. So, it, it, it's it's heavily dependent, but it is still a realistic possibility. Okay. I think that's... Oh, no. The sun has started to creep in closer and closer, but we have been going for nearly an hour. I think, mm-hmm. I think we can probably call it for today's episode. I think we have our shortest podcast ever. Remember, a, a few a few weeks ago, we wanted a 45-minute podcast. We did an hour 20. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we did more. We did more. It was like an hour and... Th- 39 minutes or something like that it was he's the one that edits them so he's looking at me like i hate you stop talking yes the 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 (laughs) hardest part i can i can bang out a podcast and get it ready to go up pretty quickly 
The hardest part is clipping stuff out. I clip uh, the, the little snippets out and put those up as little segments, and that is a pain in the ass to find where where we talked, because I, I'll be listening internally and be like, okay, this is a good subject that we could put on YouTube, and then you have to go and find it. <laughs> That's the, the <laughs> annoying part. On the bright side, we at least know we got the, the OEL topic and we got the draft topic. Yep. You can do the prospects topic if you want to. That would just give us three videos, but we're not going to give you our inside baseball too much longer. It's, that's for after the show conversation. I'm just an idiot. Anyway, mm-hmm. I you are an idiot. Want to know if I thank you? Thank you very much. <laughs> I yeah. Okay. Uh, any closing thoughts, Richard? Before, yes. Uh, yes. We, we brawl. <laughs> I do. I do have some closing <laughs> thoughts. Um, we will be at the Coyotes draft party. Uh, whatever time that is at, that will be on the Coyotes website. Make sure to go and reserve your tickets for that. It is free. Uh, just, I'm sure they want a headcount. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure to go do that. We will be there. If you see us there, uh, come and say hi. Do not, do not be afraid. Come and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, I'll probably be wearing like a chain with a sign that says Jacob Chikrin shouldn't be traded. Changed my mind. <laughs> Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, but anyways, anything that you want to say? Oh wait, wait, wait! Sorry, I got to, I got to, uh, I got to sell out here. I got to be, I got to be uh, selling out here. Just because we're at the end here, uh, if you made it this far, make sure to unsubscribe and unfollow us because you wasted an hour of your time. Uh, no, just kidding. Please actually follow The numbers us. are going to go... I'm the, I'm the analytics guy. The numbers <laughs> are going to plummet at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, please please subscribe and follow. If you enjoyed... If you made it this far, why the hell wouldn't you? Because you apparently enjoyed us long enough to actually get this far. Anyways, <laughs> I, back to you. I, I'm going to go ahead and say... Uh, yeah, if you see me, stroke my ego a little bit. Say, oh my god, is that the AZ sport? Make me feel like... Uh, the, all, all the work since 2018 has been worth something. And also, don't buy me a beer. I, I don't like piss water, but you can buy me a vodka Red Bull. Kidding. Kidding. It's a joke. It's a little bit of humor. Also, uh, if you see my wife, give her, give her some crap. I, I think it'll be fun. Let's have a little bit of fun. <laughs> all right. Well, this episode was a great success. I will say thank you so much for listening up to this point, and we will see you later.